You're listening to Muscles to the Masses, the podcast. We're covering muscles, of course, all kinds of movement, recovery, and fitness. I'm your host, Julie Reed. I'll bring information you can trust from maybe new-to-you sources. Today, I'm chatting with Amanda Thebe of Fit and Chips. Amanda works with women experiencing menopause hell, her words, and want to start feeling healthy and fit in their 40s and beyond. Through her very frank articles, hilarious social media posts, and entertaining talks, she's here to help you find the tools to have more energy and lust for life while making you laugh like a 20-year-old throughout the process. Amanda's been featured in Breaking Muscle, Girls Gone Strong, and Ultimate Sandbag Training. Her adoring fans and clients have called her a resilient bitch and an unstoppable inspiration, with one woman naming her the over-40 guru to watch in 2018. And when she's not fitnessing, you can find her socializing with her family and friends in the occasional Netflix binge session with the hubby. Amanda and I talk about the three stages of menopause, did you know there were three stages, and how she tackles them with fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle changes. We talk the what, the why, and the how, including ways to talk to others about menopause, and why as a culture we're not so inclined to talk about it. Oh, and stay until the end where you'll get first-hand recommendations of places to eat when you travel across the pond. Amanda, thank you so much for being here today. Can you give us a brief overview of how you got to where you are in the fitness space? Thank you for having me on the show, Julie. I also wanted to just say congratulations on your podcast before oh, we thank start. You. It's exciting. <laughs> um, I know it's going to be wonderful. Um, yeah, so I've been in the fitness industry for 20, more than 20 years. Like I like was the original aerobics lady with her, you know, thong, a thong <laughs> leotard and American tan tights. And, le- and so anyway, so I started a long time ago and it, it was always a, a, like a passion. I, w- I actually worked for IBM. I was a systems analyst for them. Um, and it was when I moved um, across the Atlantic to North America um, that I focused more on my fitness because um, I didn't travel with my company. Um, and then, and moving to where I am right now, um, I I do more online coaching than in person because I relocated to Texas um, and I've started to focus on women who are going through menopause. And that literally is because I am a woman going through menopause and I needed more information. So that's where we are right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's start with what menopause is. Can you, can you fill us in? Yeah, and I and it can get pretty scientific, and I I think that the best way for me to do this is to give like an umbrella overview, um, and so menopause is the time of a woman's life when she will eventually stop menstruating and stop producing eggs in order to fertilize them and become pregnant. So it's the end of her reproductive years. Um, And um, it can start anywhere from the late 30s. And it literally doesn't stop. I mean, they they give an age age range of 40 to 50. um, And I'm pretty much out there now trying to get rid of some of these myths out there. Because even when when you reach this stage where you don't have a period anymore, symptoms continue, and they may even continue. And until you die. <laughs> but I mean, like, they just don't go away, is my point. Um, and so um, menopause comes in three stages. You have perimenopause. Perimenopause is the stage um, it, um, leading up to when your periods stop. It's like the transition of when you would normally have your regular periods and everything is hunky-dory. Um, and then um, it eventually goes to to where you don't have a period for 12 months and it took the stage at 12 months happens that's when you are in menopause and um, going 
back to what perimenopause is, um, that's when women typically have the more symptoms um, during that time and they can last for between five and 10 years. It really is a very individual journey for every woman. The, the menopausal symptoms um, sort of are quite collective, but we all experience them differently, just like we experience our periods differently. After we've reached menopause, this stage at 12 months, we're then considered postmenopausal. And postmenopausal is the stage when you're now not you aren't reproductive anymore and um, you may still have some symptoms but you may also have new symptoms typically like hot flashes things like that and uh, you are also a higher risk for osteoporosis and heart disease so it's sort of three stages but we collectively seem to talk about them as menopause as a whole your body will stop producing estrogen and then it will decline to almost nothing by the time you are in menopause. Does that make sense? That does make sense. And yeah. my first reaction is I sadly did not know that there were these three stages and that we, I feel like we as a culture just think about, the, like you said, this one, this one giant stage of menopause. Is that, would you consider that one of the biggest misconceptions about this period of a, of a woman's life? Yeah, and I'm guilty of this too. So I can like go back to when I was in Toronto coaching a client, well, many clients, and one of them turned around to me and said, this menopause is kicking my ass. And I, and I think I said something like, oh, never mind, you'll be fine tomorrow. You know, I was dismissive in a way that was embarrassing now, but um, I didn't truly understand what she was going through because I was um, 42 and I was thinking, yeah, she's just you know, she's just complaining and she, th there's nothing really happening to her. I mean, basically all that happens is you stop getting your period, right? Well, it wasn't until I started experiencing menopause myself, I realized it was so much more than that. And, and I think that the two myths that are out there that I really want to explore are one, it's not for old people. Because I think in, in my mind, if I, or even probably if I bloody Google it, what a menopause look, woman looks like, it's like this old granny sat in a chair knitting and sipping on a, a sherry. Or, you know, like it's this old <laughs> incapacitated woman um, that's beyond her, you know, that's like past it. Um, and I think in part of my um, thinking was, you know, that's the stereotypical um, view we have of a menopausal woman and then the other thing is is the actual causes and symptoms I think most of us me included are like oh yeah you just don't get your period for 12 months and then you're in menopause and that's it and it's so much more than that and 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 I think the reason that I've had menopause so intensely and so horrifically is because I was put on this earth to to, to expel these myths. So your period just doesn't stop and you don't look old. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let's talk about some of the, the causes and symptoms. What are they? What are we missing? What might um, somebody be able to see in their own life to know that they've, they're entering this phase of their life? Yeah, uh, so that's, that's a really great question. And I don't want to spend too long talking about it because there are like, I think there's a list probably out there of about 60 different 
wow. symptoms. I mean, it's, it's crazy. But let me just tell you some of the main ones that people might recognize. And I think that's a good place to start. So you might start getting disruptive uh, menstrual cycles. And that can um, look like not many periods to very frequent periods that go from heavy to light, you know, they're just all over the gamut. As your, um, as your um, sexual hormones fluctuate and they don't do it in any type of like um, rhythm that you recognize because it always comes out of the blue, it seems. Um, as your menstrual um, cycle is impacted by this, you'll find that like at one time you've got these crazy heavy periods and then other times there's nothing there and and then maybe your PMS might be a little bit more extreme. You may feel um, fatigue. That's a, It's almost like a chronic fatigue that um, menopausing women can um, experience. Um, like I'll start the list now. You've got things like um, your mental health can be impacted by loss of estrogen. I mean, estrogen is sort of the happy hormone. So, you know, we've got um, depression, acute anxieties, insomnia is another another thing that comes and hits us, um, as well as mood swings. We might have um, like hot flashes. Um, another thing that happens is the loss of estrogen can impact our um, vaginal health. Um, and it's not very often I get to say vagina on, on a podcast, so it makes me happy that I can. But there's, a, there's an atrophy that can happen that can make incontinence a common symptom um, and maybe painful sex. Um, you know, the, the list goes on and on. Um, migraines chronic headaches, and um, all of these can be impacted by fluctuating hormones. In addition to this, um, women um, re often report that they gain weight during menopause and, and statistically most menopausal, menopausal women, so this is people who have gone through the 12-month pause and are now post-menopausal, are overweight. And that is also due to the just the shift in our um, our metabolism like so we have we age and we we start losing muscle mass and we start um losing the ability to sort of like burn burn the fat as quickly as we used to our metabolism just starts to slow down as we know and then with the loss of estrogen we can find that what also happens is um we become a little bit more testosterone dominant a very slight amount but enough that the the a lot of women report that they go from being that pear-shaped, so hip and um, thigh fat dominant, to be more of the apple, you know, the round belly. And that's when heart disease and um, such like can become an issue because we know that's completely related, the high belly fat and heart disease. So there you go. There's just a few of them. Those are a lot of physical symptoms. I know that you have personal experience with some of the more emotional symptoms of perimenopause. Can you talk about that? I was at my um, bi-weekly boxing class. Like I come from a martial arts background and I still love going and smashing the hell out of a boxing bag. And one time after I'd finished my class, I was completely exhausted and to the point where I had to go to my bed and I just thought, oh, I've just probably overdone it. Oh, I've got a virus or something and I was quite dismissive about it. Um, over the next couple of days, I realized that I had um, some type of a vertigo that was happening. Um, and to cut a long story short, this came and went over the 
the the following year and a half and um, I eventually found out that I had uh, migraines with an aura and so it wasn't something that was very obvious to me but it was making me feel a bit discombobulated and my equilibrium was going I was vomiting and I just was struggling to get through the days and and so there's a couple of things happened because of that so I not only um physically didn't feel very well I didn't know why I wasn't feeling very well and I was going for tests with neurologists and ENOs and throat doctors to try and work out the vertigo and I just wasn't getting any answers nothing concrete and so that started impacting my my mental well-being and 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 this is one of the things that really threw me with menopause is because I'm a pretty upbeat person and, and you know, some really shitty stuff's happened in my personal life over my lifetime. And I've always been sort of quite proud of my resilience and ability to sort of like get through them. And I wasn't getting even through the day at this stage. I, re- I remember I was coaching people on the morning and then I would go home at lunchtime and then just sit on my sofa and stare into space for like three hours until it was time to pick the kids up and then I'd put my happy face back on and and went and got the children and it was just dreadful and I didn't realize I had depression at all Um, and I just was so lucky I had this fabulous gynecologist that sort of recognized these things in me and, and, and I identified what was happening, told me I wasn't going like crazy because I had no control over what was happening. And um, yeah, I think he probably saved my marriage and my family because everyone was really worried about me. I didn't, rec- I didn't recognize the person I'd become basically. So what do you recommend somebody say if they're unsure of if they're in this stage of their life to their healthcare professional in order to find some answers? It's a, it's a, it's a really great question. And I don't think there's just one answer to it. Like, so like if you go to your healthcare provider and you insist on getting blood work done because you don't think things are right, that you want to get a full hormonal profile, you're well within your rights to do that. I've spoken to numerous gynecologists though that will say there's little point in doing that. And there's little point in doing that in their mind because you could take your blood profile one day and then five days later take it and it could be completely different because of the fluctuation in the hormones. There's no rhyme nor reason to them at any stage. And so they can usually identify from asking a lot of questions um, if you're going through perimenopause, because that's chances are what you're experiencing, right? Um, And then what I think is um, a really great thing for someone to do is if they're not feeling themselves, if something's just not quite right, as I suggest they do like a menopause diary, and it can be similar to like a period, a menstrual diary, and just sort of make a note of like when your, your cycles are, you know, how bad they are, like literally, were were you blood clotting or did you like birth an alien like I was? Or or was was there no menses at all? And then things like your mood, your, your, how you were eating, have you started having cravings? You know, there's so many different things you can sort of note note down, like the quality of your sleep, your stress levels, all of these things sort of add up to an answer eventually and so one of the things I would say is if you go to your doctor know what you're going for if you want to go and get blood work done then just push for that but why do you want the blood work like try and find go go with it like an end goal in mind 
So, and I am only saying this because I didn't, and I sort of feel like I learned the hard way. But when I eventually saw a, an expert, like my gynecologist, and I explained everything that was happening, that I wasn't reaching my potential, that I just felt like I don't recognize myself anymore. And then he probed and asked a few questions about my cycle and about some potential symptoms, that it was clear that what I was experiencing was perimenopause. And then I had answers and then I could start making changes to my lifestyle, to medication if that was necessary, you know, just to find strategies to just make me be myself again. And so I think that what I would suggest to any women out there who really just aren't sure is start recognizing what's going on in yourself. Be a little bit of a biohacker, like a, like an advocate for your own health, make a diary, like write things down. Secondly, there is resources out there and I just didn't find them but if you dig deep enough um there are a lot of there's a lot of information out there about menopause some of it's a bit like stale you know it's boring menopause isn't sexy after all right so it's a bit stale and it's not very exciting to read but there's definitely people out there that know what they're talking about so get educated and then start speaking to people your own age women your own age speak to them and ask them if they're experiencing the same things do they recognize what's going on because i think in in general i mean even if you speak to your mother about what went on she probably go oh love you know we don't talk about that oh it wasn't it wasn't a great time but probably some everyone can remember their mother smashing a plate against the wall and you can probably like tie it into this this 45 to 55 <laughs> range right so i feel like um you can ask your mom see if she see if she remembers chances are she might not want to talk about it because it was a different time then and it was almost sh a bit shameful and maybe a little bit taboo and I think one of the the real things that women can do now real positive things is to just talk about it who gives a shit if people roll their eyes and go oh whatever menopause who cares just talk about it because the minute we start normalizing it and making it a more mainstream conversation the more information will get out there that's what I think I agree. <laughs> I guess my next question then is why do you think that the, the three stages of menopause and just menopause in general are so misunderstood? I don't know. Like I really don't know because I, I didn't know and I was like knee deep in the industry, right? And I still didn't know. And I think um, when I look back at like our education, like, like it's, I remember at school going through a sex education talk and they are like, this is when you were born and then you go through puberty and then you, you know, you may or may not get pregnant and this is what happens when you're pregnant. And then that's it. They don't tell you anything about it, do they? They don't even tell you what happens after that. So I think part of it is just lack of education. We've never been told about it. And so therefore, how are we supposed to know? Like, I mean, it really is just not a, it's not like a, a, around the dinner table conversation. So mom, how's your menopause today? Ah, you know, son, you know, like, like my stress levels were through the roof and I ate a bar of chocolate and I drank a bottle of whiskey while I was waiting for you to come <laughs> on. You know, like, so like we, do, we don't have those conversations as a, as a general topic of conversation, right? And so I think that's probably one of the reasons is just from an early age, we're not told about it. And I think it could be, but brought into a mainstream conversation as early as being a, a young child. And just about the fact that, you know, 
you you're born you have puberty you may or may not get pregnant you have menopause and then you die like that literally is the circle of <laughs> that's the circle of life why aren't we why aren't we told about it i don't know um and so i think that what's happening now though i mean Outside of the fitness world that we're in, conversations are happening. I'm sort of being exposed to all of these groups outside of the fitness world. And, and I know that it's, it's Oprah's talking about it and it's in magazines now. So it's definitely changing. And I like that. So, um, you know what? I didn't know whether I was going to be the person that was going to talk about menopause. And I decided that I needed to be. And because I am, people are saying, Thank you. We need this to happen. So my, my answer in general is we just have to keep talking. Everyone, right? And, and know about what's going to happen before it happens. So for somebody in their early 30s, one of, a great, one of the great things trainers can do to them is get them ready for menopause. And, and, and by that, I mean like really get them to understand good nutrition because good nutrition plays a huge role in menopause and um, get them to understand the importance of strength training and how it can build them up for longevity and how it can protect their body and protect them against diseases, good cardiovascular health, good mental health strategies, all of those things that a trainer does um, for older clientele for sure can happen in, the, in a woman's 30s just to prep them for this. I mean, we're living much longer now. I mean, one of my one of my big things is, you know, I am forty seven, and the average age of a, a woman um, life expectancy is eighty seven. So I'm going to spend half my life in a postmenopausal stage. I'm going to make sure I really live that life, right? It's not going to hold me back, and I know that now because I've educated myself on on it. Does that make sense? It do, it does make sense. Yeah. Yes. So what are some of the strategies that you put into place once you knew you were going through perimenopause in, in your eating, in the gym, in your lifestyle? Mm, yeah, I mean, it literally was a lot of playing around and self-experimenting. I know that sounds a little bit of a lame answer, uh, but what happened is I read a, a a few books out there that were more science-based books just to get a little bit more of a, a deeper understanding. Um, I actually would recommend them to people. One of them is Lyle MacDonald, the woman's book. He's, he basically writes um, it from a science background and so it might not be for everyone, but it does give a good understanding of um, how important it is to recognize that a woman's um, physical health is different from a man's physical health as we age right? It's, it's, it, I mean, all, everything we see out there is based on men. And, and it's so very different for women. Dr. Stacey Sims is another great person. Her book, Raw, is a little bit more palatable, as in, you know, the, to digest for, for the average bear out there. And I um, really like her, her work. Um, and so I used information from that, from medical um, sites, from speaking to medical professionals, and then from reading studies. And I sort of already had the exercise and nutrition background, right? That's where I come from. So I just started really like, um, I was never, I'm never strict about anything in my life because I really do enjoy life and I don't want restrictions. But um, I really started looking at the food I was eating and thinking, is this really going to help me right now or not, right? So first of all, um, our bodies tolerate carbohydrates less and we become a little bit more insulin um, resistant. Um, so we... Um, 
so we we have to be careful about the carbohydrates we eat so whereas before i've never had trouble with my weight and i could just eat whatever i wanted i realize now my carbohydrate choices mattered and so i just started focusing on just having better complex carbohydrates and less of the simple carbohydrates, right? Sounds simple, but it makes a huge difference to um, our cortisol levels, to how we respond to sugar and our insulin levels, right? Um, our, our protein, um, our, the breakdown of our protein um, changes. And so we, um, the, the whole synthesis of protein changes slightly. So actually making sure we have good quality lean proteins matters too. Um, and so I just, and, and, and most women tend to not eat enough protein. Um, and so I started increasing the protein I was eating and that's hard. That's hard for me and it's hard for a lot of women as well. Um, so that was another thing. Um, I eat fat and like butter is my favorite food group. So there was never a problem <laughs> with, my, with my fats. So, so the nutrition, I just became just a little bit um, more focused on it. That's all I would say. Um, and I teach based on habit-based learning. I don't, you know, count macros. I don't, if it fits your macros or intermittent fast, none of that. I just use very simplistic um, habit-based learning um, and, and I apply that to myself and it, and it works. Another thing that really helps is staying hydrated. Like hydration was one of the things that um, stopped me getting my migraines. Um, like as soon as I get dehydrated, I became stressed and got chronic migraines that would last for days. So I keep my hydration pretty high and I always have electrolytes in my, in my hydration, in my water. So that's another thing. And I do that easily because I like the taste of water, which helps, I think. Um, and then as far as um, exercise is concerned, I have always, like, I would think for the last five years, pretty much exercise the same way. And it works for me. I really like it. I do like multi-joint, multi-planar um, strength work that is metabolically demanding. And so basically, like to say that in an easier way, I do, um, Jen is a good one for that. Her lift weights faster. You know, that's a great example of metabolic resistance training, right? Because you're, you're moving a weight quickly so you get a metabolic demand on your body. That works well for menopausal women. Like it really does. And um, so that type of strength training became staple, even though it was already there. Like I really focused on it. And, um, and then in addition to that, I focused on recovery more than ever. And, and it's been pretty much um, determined that you need to recover better through menopause. We just don't recover as well. And so I, whereas I don't, I'm not a meditator and I'm not like a, a walker, I definitely would have easier days and lighter days some days where I did nothing and just sit around and read my book. You know, I really listened to my body a bit better and stopped pushing it past what it was capable of. So for somebody who isn't used to listening to their body, mm. what, are, what are some recommendations that you would give them in order to start listening? Oh, you mean in regard to exercise or in regard to nutrition or in regard to like recovery? Ooh, that's, <laughs> a big, that's a big <laughs> question. It's a big question. Um, let's go with, uh, with movement first. Yeah. So you have to challenge body. You have to build up some lean muscle. It's so important as we age. And I know you're one of, you wanted to talk about osteoporosis, but as we 
get a decline in our estrogen, we know there's a direct relation between the drop in estrogen and osteoporosis, which is when our bones become more porous and are likely to fracture. Um, and it's a huge number of impacts from, I think it's like one in eight over the age of 55. It's crazy. And it's usually the hips and the um, and, and that sort of area. And so we, we have to be strong. We have to go into like our, the second half of our life, the prime of our lives being strong with muscle tone. And so I, what I would suggest to, to, to women is as far as movement's concerned, it's focus on achieving some type of um, change in the muscle structure. And you do that by overload. I mean, we, we, it's talked about in general, Julie, but like, you know, if, you, if I ask you to pick something up for 10 reps, the last two reps should be very difficult. You should barely be able to pick them up. That's like a, a general rule of thumb, right? And most women are nervous about lifting a little, lifting that heavy. There's misconceptions out there, as we know. Um, and so, so for, as far as movement's concerned, listen to your body, meaning you're allowed to push it. You're allowed to push yourself and work hard. Now, the next day, when, you, when you've done that type of like, demand on your body and say your central nervous system feels shot to bits and you're exhausted, if you really feel so tired that you know, doing everyday general tasks seem almost impossible because that cognitive impact of menopause is, is a real thing. If you are like, oh my God, I have to unload the dishwasher, do the laundry, feed the kids, you know, do the, pay the bills, go to work, you know, cook all of those things. And I'm supposed to do a workout and that feels horrendous to you. Guess what? I'd suggest you didn't work out that day. If you could go for a walk or go for a swim or just do something that relaxes your mind and, and helps you recover. So that's where the menopause diary comes in as well. Like you start writing down how you're feeling and you might find that it, it's, it's linked with your, your cycle because your cycle's still happening. It's just maybe just a little bit different. So like, look at your site, write this down. Oh, I felt like really shitty on um, Monday and I don't think I can get through the day. And on Friday, you're like, Jesus, I could rock the world. Well, on Friday, when you can rock the world, work hard, like push yourself and, and try and achieve what you can in your workout. So like that, that's the type of listening to your body that I would suggest. Like, and, and it's really hard to pinpoint that exactly because we're all so different, right? I really like that being very intentional and writing things down and then reviewing it. I, you know, you can get, it's really easy to get into the, okay, I'm going to write things down, but now you do have to go back and review and assess. This is what I did. And then this is how I felt. So I, I really appreciate that. And you know what, that Julie, just, just like adding on to that, that's a really good point because, you know, on my day, and this isn't just me, this is just um, when I've spoken to lots of women, but from personal experience on the days when I just couldn't, like when I had a chronic migraine and depression was overwhelming me and I, my vertigo was so bad, I was vomiting into a bucket by the side of my bed. When I had those days, I couldn't remember a day when I felt good. Like I just felt so sick in those days. I couldn't remember what it felt like to be good. And then the minute the good days come, you're like, what else was I complaining about? I feel awesome. You know, like I'm ready for world domination. You know, I'm living the dream. And, and, and I feel like it's similar to pregnancy in that respect. You know, nobody wants to remember the birth because it's so horrendous, but yeah, and we, and we do it again and again. And, and I feel like that's why writing it down is really important because if you know, if you look back and like five weeks ago or six weeks ago, you had an episode like this, well then, 
know that it's part of what your maybe your new cycle might be and for those four or five days give yourself a break do the things that make you feel good whatever that might be for you if you have a client who or somebody close to you who's experiencing some symptoms that you you may think wow i heard that i heard about this on a podcast i think you're going through perimenopause how do you approach that person responsibly and, and talk to them about this yeah, I, I could answer that from a few different um, standpoints, but I have an example of this. This is the perfect example. And this is why I think this would be a more mainstream conversation because I had a fitness um, professional, a gym owner, who's a friend of mine, who's a male, and he came up to me and just said, Amanda, I know you what you're talking about, menopause, and I think it's so great. He said, most of my clients are women who are 45 onwards. In fact, the bulk of them are 45 to 65. They make up the mainstay of my business. And I have no idea what's going on with them. And he said, so um, how, he said, how do I approach them? And how do I talk to them about this? Because I want to be like empathetic to what they're going through. I want to have some understanding, but I don't want to embarrass them either. Right. So, um, so we had this whole conversation and I spoke to his team as well, actually, they were all 20 year old men and they were asking all of these questions and it was great. And I think the, the main thing that I could honestly say to them is obviously be tactful. Um, it doesn't matter who it is, but if somebody, if, a, if one of your clients or one of your friends opens up the conversation, then I think that's an entry win for you. That's what I would say. First of all, if somebody says like, if your friends are good enough friends to you to say, Jesus, my periods are all over the place and I feel like shit and I hate my husband and I want to stab my children or whatever it is you're feeling. <laughs> well, then you can, there's no reason why you can't open the door and just say something like, well, you know, you're 35, you're 38, it might just be the start of perimenopause. Why don't you look into it? I've got some resources for you. I know someone that can, who talks about this. I've read, I've heard this podcast. I mean, you're not, don't try and diagnose someone. There's nothing mm -hmm. worse than that. As you know, I have a friend who has insomnia and the amount of people, like chronic insomnia, where she's hospitalized with it and the amount of people that go to her and say, have you took melatonin? Have you tried, have you tried, tried magnesium? I don't know how she doesn't explode. But, but as far as like how you, I mean, it can present itself in different ways. For example, going back to this gym owner, one of his clients had incontinence. And it's and it's very common to see incontinence um, in this. And, and I'm going to say it's not normal, but it's common because that's mm -hmm. a whole other conversation. Um, and he was like, I know this woman doesn't want to like do the skipping at the beginning of the class because I think she feels uncomfortable. What do I do about that? And that was a perfect opening like for him to go up to her and say, so um, I just thought I'd let you know that I've been doing a whole lot of research on um, like women in this age group. And I know um, that, you know, this is the age range for men perimenopause to menopause. And there's a whole lot of symptoms go with it. Um, and if you don't, um, and if you're not feeling great today, because you can often, if you've got that rapport with a client, you can often tell if they're not like quite on, on their game, right? So if you're not feeling good today or you don't want to jump or it feels uncomfortable because we're going to start with skipping, I can give you some great alternatives that will sort of like do the same thing. And, and just like open the dialogue so that they can see that you give a shit that you care, you're, you're, you've become educated and that you've got that empathy. And then that's going to change the whole, whole dynamic with your client anyway. 
reading reading those signals and maybe she might even ask you if you know other stuff that can can help i mean one of this particular man had all of his female clients come over to listen to like in, into my facebook group because he needed them to know that he cared and that there was information out there and it was he said it's just changed the dynamic completely you know, I'm not going to pee today because I'm going to pee my pants. Is that okay if I go and do some bodyweight squats instead? I mean, it was silly, but you know, it, it sort of, it took away the stigma and on all of that. So I think that if somebody opens the door and tells you that they're not feeling great or something's quite right, or they're not sure, and they've given you permission to have a conversation, there's tactful ways of doing it. Amanda, let's go back to training during perimenopause, menopause, and this part of your life. What are some training considerations that we need to take into account? I like to encourage people to move every day. Um, it's so important and we're becoming such a sedentary um, set of individuals, aren't we? And, um, and, and there's plenty of studies that back the idea that too much sitting is, is bad for us and just even getting up and moving every hour is, is um, so beneficial to our health. And so I like I said, want women to strength train and to change the dynamic and to change the conversation around strength training because it's imperative to like good health as we age. Um, but it's not every day that we can do that. I mean, honestly, two to three times a week is great. Do that if you can. But then what do you do on your other days? What do you do when you don't feel like doing like strength training or lifting weights faster or metabolic conditioning like that? Um, you can, you can, people, if you want to run, run, that's fine. I do like to try and encourage things that, um, help our cardio output um, and walking can be great for that too like a brisk walk like a, a, a decently paced walk where you, you're out of breath um, and it's just so good for our mental health for our recovery and for our cardiovascular health as well um, and one of the things I love to get my clients to do and I often do this I do like a six-month coaching thing and within that that six months I do one month and I call it the neat challenge um, and neat for those people that aren't familiar with the term is um, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And so um, it's, it's the amount of calories you burn outside of your sleeping and bodily functions and, and processing food, because that obviously takes a, a, main, a main portion of the calories you use every day. And then outside of exercise, it's like the bit in the middle. It's just the moving around generally. And this neat um, activity is, is really important to our overall health. Like we just don't move enough. And so I'll do this neat challenge where I'll just get them to see how many steps they can do in a month. And it becomes this huge competitive thing. It's great, but it just encourages um, us to get off the, the bus to stop earlier and walk an extra block or to take the stairs or to walk to get your Starbucks instead of going through the drive-through, you know, and, um, and just um, the, the benefits that it's been shown for even for fat loss as well as our mental health, depression, anxieties. So great for us. So I, um, as well as strength training, hugely encourage movement every day. And you decide what that is. It doesn't have to be an exercise activity though. It just, so, so it could be you going to the, for a swim with your kids. It could be just going for a bike ride or going for a leisurely walk or a brisk walk if you want a few more extra health benefits. But try to move every day and try to get up every hour. So if you sat at your desk, 
set the alarm, get up, walk around, come and sit back down again. It's just so important. I like that. And, and you can determine what that means based on your, your diary. If you can do something more vigorous or if you could do, if you want something even more leisurely. I mean, if you're in the state where you're like literally incapacitated, give yourself a break. Yeah. <laughs> but like if you're in one of those moods where you think, oh, I haven't worked out for five days. I need, need to do something today, but I just don't feel like it. I just don't have the energy. This is a great day to get your neat in. Like go for a, a nice walk outside. And, and, and just the benefits of being in nature as well are huge, right? So the serotonin boost you're going to get. So um, yeah, I highly encourage that with women. And it also takes, takes a lot of pressure off you as well. You're doing something and that something's good for your health, you know? In the process of yourself, of, of you going through perimenopause, have you worked with clients and doctors that are willing to work with other fitness professionals um, in helping their, the fitness professionals' clients go through this stage of their life? And what has that experience been like? I think the, the, the world is turning and I think we've realized that, you know, working together as a team is much more advantageous than working alone, isolating yourself. It's very important to me to stay within my lines of scope of practice. I'm not telling people and I, like I'm, what to do. What, what I really see my role as is like an advocate for menopause. I think of myself as a menopause maven who's collect, <laughs> collected all of this information and I'm happy to share it. I'm also happy to tell you if it changes or I got it wrong. Like that doesn't bother me at all because all I'm doing is talking about what I know. I'm definitely not trying to say I'm, this is what you should or shouldn't do. I really, really advocate you getting a medical team to support you through this it's been a life changer for me and for my clients and so um that for me this i feel like the information i give is just a huge support system that you can use to then make choices with your medical team you know stay within your lane don't go out outside of your lane and so i can help people with exercise and I can help people with nutrition and I can give them advice on menopause based on my research and speaking to experts but that's all I can do right I can talk, obviously talk from experience as well but if um, a client comes to me and she's struggling with incontinence either stress stress or urge incontinence because of that atrophy that is sort of like occurring um then she needs to go and see a pelvic floor physiotherapist. You know, if she, if I ever, it's, it's, it's the same with anything. I would, I would totally expect a client to go and see a gynecologist or an endocrinologist for hormonal health um, and a general practitioner as well, just for her, her everyday, everyday health. Um, and I have always tried to reach out to them. So whenever my client goes, to, even inside or outside of menopause, goes to a physiotherapist, I always give them my business card. And then I always email the physiotherapist. I, would, I don't want to train a client if I'm going to hurt them. I need to know what I'm working with from an expert and same same with the going through menopause like if a client goes to the doctor and the doctor puts her on hrt and she's really struggling with that i'm not going to tell her what hrt to change to or what other medicine but i can give her the tools that i know work as far as nutrition and exercise to support those med the medicine if that makes sense so i think that if you are struggling with menopause and you have a trainer whether that's a personal trainer or an online trainer or you're a member of a gym and then you have your doctor, your physiotherapist, they can all be interacting. And I think it's a great place. You need a team. 
And I think that that's how you should look at your health is from this holistic team view. I think that sometimes fitness professionals are afraid to say, and I'm speaking from personal experiences when I was a younger fitness professional, we're afraid to say that we don't know something. Have you ever reached out to a physical therapist, physiotherapist, doctor, and had a negative experience when asking them for guidance or for recommendations for their patient and your client? Well, a couple of things. Um, So doctors tend not to talk to you about, well, they won't talk to you about their clients, but I will... um, it still doesn't mean it's, I'm not part of that woman's team, mm-hmm. right? Um, but physiotherapists, chiropractors um, especially have been a very, very open in my experience too. And in fact, I've had physiotherapists that have literally fed my business. They refer clients to me because of the open relationship I've got. So I, and, and I know that this is a, like a, a staple now in the industry. Any progressive personal trainers shouldn't be afraid to say to the physiotherapist, I actually don't understand fully what she's experiencing. Can you explain it to me so that I can support her through this, right? Because she's either going to, this woman's either going to come to me or go to another trainer that doesn't care or doesn't want to make the time and effort. Um, and as far as being a trainer is concerned, that really helps with like client relationships and retention. They're going to want to stay with you if, if you care. And, in a, and you're only getting, all you're doing is feeding your own knowledge. Now, I haven't come across any detrimental or negative experiences yet because I've always got the client to be the one that says, are you okay with speaking to my um with my my trainer i even have a relationship with um um registered massage therapist because we were saying this is what you do like they have a really good understanding of the physiology of a human body and so they're a great resource as a personal trainer to to have a connection with and can be a great part of a, a like a healing team for the for the client So we're going to go into the last three questions of the day, the uh, lightning round. So Amanda, what is the most memorable thing you've ever eaten? It was also the most delicious thing I've ever eaten. And it was langoustines off the West coast of Scotland when I went there for my honeymoon. Delicious. So can you, what is that? A a langoustine (laughs) is like a large shrimp. Okay. And a small lobster. It's like in between. And it's the most insanely good flavor ever. And they caught them fresh off the dock. We like, we, we watched the fishing trawlers come in and they cook them there for us. Oh my God, divine heaven. And they're, and they're like a delicacy in Scotland. So I highly recommend them. And do you, do they prepare them with butter similar to lobster or are they good? (laughs) I think it might be similar to a crawfish here. But yeah, they serve them with butter. Again, my favorite food group. Yeah. <laughs> so, so of course I liked it. So yeah, yeah. That, that, was my, that was my most memorable thing I've ever eaten. Well, now I want one. <laughs> oh, and so they're, they're small enough that you probably like eight or 10? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, or 10. Yeah. But you've got, to go, you've got to eat them in Scotland. Don't eat them in America. Seriously, they taste so different there. Okay, well, off to Scotland now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What are three people, books, or podcasts that have been influential to you? So I could answer this in so many different ways and they could all be wrong, but I think my big three are are always going to be my husband and my two kids. I learn from them all the time. They're so influential and supportive. And so they're my big three. So that's the right answer. Now, when I, so so when I go to, um, like I thought 
I'm influenced by so many areas of my life. Like I wanted to be a historian and I can name three historians that influenced me. You know, there's so many different aspects I could talk about. Mm-hmm. But as far as fitness is concerned, I, I, I think my three have been the same three for the last 10 years. And I'm a, do, I'm a, 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 a disciple. I'm a, a disciple of um, Coach Dos Remedios <laughs> because um, when I was working um, – full-time in IBM and I wanted to train myself I picked up cardio strength training and I uh, it's one of his books from gosh it must be 10 years ago right it was a men's health book and it was it's a brilliant book and it just opened my eyes to a different way way of exercising when I'd been doing more traditional like like straight sets or, or split body parts and it just wasn't feeling good for me so I followed him and you know what? He's just such a good guy. Like he, I then emailed him and just said, your book's been influential. I really like the way you write and the way you talk. And then he like literally was like, I'm really happy to hear from you. And this is, and then he, he's a really open guy. Right. And so he's been almost a little bit of a mentor to me, but we maybe didn't even realize that. But if I reach out to him, he always replies to me. He talks, you know, we've got a, a relationship now. It's awesome. So he's my number one. My number two is Josh Hankin and I, um, and Coach Dos in one of our conversations said, you have to go and do the DVRT certification for the ultimate sandbag training. It will blow your mind and it will change the way you think about fitness. And when I met Josh Henkin, I went to New York and I was full. I was fully into my menopause at this stage. I actually got off the plane with a migraine and I had to do a fitness t- test there, which I was dreading, but I, I was fit enough to do it. And I, I crumbled my way through it. But at the end of the certification, it was a level one, two, I went up to Josh Hankin and said, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. Like, how can I be one of your master trainers? And he went, right, well then just keep using it and and show me what solutions this is creating for you. And so what Josh opened my mind to was just a different way of approaching fitness. It was like a solutions based fitness. He's like one of the smartest people out there. And, um, his, the system he's created, which is the dynamic variable resistance training um, using the ultimate sandbag. So the sandbag's the tool. His education system is like one of the best out there. I love it. And I am a master trainer now. And I use it in my own training and I use it in my clients' training. And so he's been very influential and I always, and he keeps very current with, um, you know, the latest findings and studies. Well, now I have so many follow-up questions about DVRT. (laughs) Go for it. Yeah. So tell, can you tell us what dynamic variable resistance training means? And I know that there's a whole system, but can you condense it into a a few sentences? Yeah, it's very similar to sort of um, metabolic resistance training in the fact that, you know, it's going to create a metabolic change in your body that will mean that the body will had have adaptation and so the dynamic part of it is um from the the feedback you get from the sandbag so when you're moving this sandbag around and you're cleaning it from the floor or you're doing an overhead press or you're doing a rotational lunge which means you move the lunge from one side to the other as you're doing a reverse lunge the sand is shifting and so as the sand shifts you have to create resistance in your core in your core stability to allow um, your body to um, impact and um, to absorb you 
know, those, those impactful movements. And so it creates just this amazing um, like core stability but mobility through the joints. It's, it's, very, it's very hard for me to explain in just a small, um, <laughs> um, but, but basically the, it, it's using this implement that gives you a feedback that you can't get from a kettlebell or a barbell, which by the way, I use all the time. But for example, if I'm going to clean a kettlebell from the floor or a, a barbell from the floor, I know what's required to get that up. Like it's a fixed implement and um, even though it can be ballistic in nature, it doesn't change shape, does it? It like, stays the same. Now, if I'm going to um, clean a sandbag from a, a dead stop on the floor just to my chest, like lifting up, that, that sandbag isn't going to play. It doesn't want to do what you want to do. It, the, 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 the sand shifts in it. And so you have to be really dynamic in your body. You've got to um, have... Um, real body awareness about how to do an active hip hinge. So you get glute activation, core stability, lat activation, serratus stability. You know, there's so much going on in your body just to get the bag from the floor to your chest height. Um, sometimes it's just you, you actually have to physically do it to, to, to feel it. But yeah, it's like nothing I've ever experienced before. And it's a great compliment to anyone's training. And, and it's used from a rehabilitation standpoint, right, to um, professional athletes as well. And Ryan Reynolds used it, apparently. Oh. <laughs> so, so this that. Well, now it's going to become very, very popular <laughs> if it's not if it's not already there. <laughs> if it wasn't already. And so, yeah. my last crush is our mutual friend Jen Sinclair. Now, it's funny that I um, have picked her. She's younger than me, and she hasn't been in the industry as long as me. But I was in the shadows for a long time, and when I needed somebody to look out for that had like a similar work ethic and authenticity about them and a little bit of a sassy nature too. It, <laughs> I, I just was drawn to Jen. And so you, this, it's almost like a little bit of a circle because Dawes led me to Josh and Dawes le led me to Jen as well. And so I, I just love her approach. She came from a, like a, an athletic background sim, uh, similar to mine. Um, I was a martial artist, not a, a team player. But um, so it came from a, um, an athletic background um, and she, um, she just brings some fun and lightness to the fitness world where it can be so friggin' serious. It drives me crazy, you know, and so I, and I, she's got a cute bum as well. <laughs> And um, no, so I have, a, I have a lot of time for Jen and I think she brings a lot of value to the fitness world. So she's one of my crushes too. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> so last question, if somebody came to earth from another planet, what is one thing you'd tell them? I couldn't. I had so many things to think of here when you said this one. But you know what? <laughs> I'm going to tell them to go to the UK because it has the best fish and chips in the world. Well, there you have it. <laughs> Is there? Do you have a favorite, a, a favorite place in the UK that you yes, like to you go? Have, you have to go to Whitby in North Yorkshire. It's on the coast. They catch the fresh cod every day, and you can eat it the same day. And it's heavenly. So you go to Scotland for your langoustine and you go to the northeast coast of England for your fish and chips and it's that simple. Then your life is made. You, you, need, <laughs> you need nothing else. <laughs> well, I love talking about food. So I'm definitely going to go to those places if I make it out, uh, if I make it over the, the ocean. Yeah, you should. Yeah. I insist. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, Amanda, you have a book coming out. You have a Facebook group and a podcast. Tell us about all three. So the book, I decided that it just seemed like the next logical evolution for me. I've been writing actively about um, menopause and aging and women's strength for the last three or four years. So I'm bringing this all together in a book and the book will be at at the first draft stage by the 1st of um, September. Um, I don't know how long after that I'll be published. It's going to be about um, navigating menopause using um, nutrition, fitness, um, some psychology and some lifestyle changes. Um, And it's like very much like everything we've spoke about today. It's it's using science, it's using experience and using my education. So I'm very excited about that. I'll also be a little bit sassy. I'm sure I'll swear and offend people in it. But you know what? I am me. So I'm going to do me in the book. And so, um, and, and you know what, like I, it definitely comes from a very authentic place. Like I actually want this book out there to just educate and help women. I really do. It's just, I feel like we need more and more, um, more and more people to do this. And so, yes, so that's an exciting um, goal for me right now. I have, um, everything that I do is on my if you go to my um, website, sorry, it's fitandchips.com, which is F-I-T-N-C-H-I-P-S, fitandchips.com. And that will lead you to my Instagram, Facebook, blah, 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 blah. I have a podcast like you. <laughs> and I have um, some articles and I write for a number of different outlets. Um, and then lastly, I have a closed Facebook group that is um, any women are welcome to join. There are um, what we do is we just openly talk about menopausal symptoms, about um, the good, the bad, the ugly, um, and it's and it's just a really fun, relaxed place. And, and people are finding it very helpful just to connect with other women, and they're not particularly always looking for answers, but sometimes just to be in a community that you feel supported and not invisible anymore and not like shunned and silenced just feels really good for these women and that's called menopausing so hard and um yep you're welcome to come over there and everything that goes on in there stays in the group that sounds like a wonderful resource I think it is. I try and keep um, like the resources going in there, any new studies, any articles. And yeah, it's working. I like it. So yeah. And then I also and lastly have um, an online coaching program that's due to launch in September. And I call that Menopause Hacks. And it's um, basically, uh, t- it's going to be 10, well, it is 10 lessons that I deliver over a six month period um, to navigate your way through menopause based on the things I've already spoken about I, and it also covers um, the fitness workout side so you get a comprehensive fitness program and I'm there the whole way through so it, it's quite it's quite personal I do a group coaching and I do private coaching but we're sort of all in it together um, and it's it, and it, it's going very well I like it and I try and keep it as personal as possible uh, Amanda thank you so much for being on the podcast this was a very, very fast hour. And I feel like I have so many more follow-up questions for you. So I hope to have you back again sometime soon. That's great. So thank you so much for having me on. I know I pushed my way on and that's me. I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't mind being the pushy one in the fitness industry, but like, I thank you for giving me the opportunity to, again, raise the profile, make this more mainstream. And, um, and lastly, lots of luck. I hope it goes really well for you with your podcast. Well, thank you so much. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Muscles of the Masses, the podcast. 
To support Amanda, check out her website, fitandchips.com, and her close Facebook group, Menopausing So Hard, where she tries to explode the myths of menopause and make it a more mainstream topic. Also, be on the lookout for her book in the works. If you'd like to support the show, leave us a review on iTunes, tell a friend, or buy a butt bag at musclestothemasses.com.